Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at Western New York with news, features, and special guests. Now, here's your host, Brian Rusk. Back by popular demand, we have with us today Ambassador Ronald Gidwitz. He was the United States Ambassador to Belgium and also the European Union. He is retired, a wonderful man who has given much of his life to his country in diplomacy. A wonderful man, and he's done a lot for the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago. And I'll tell you a little bit about this uh, great giver to American society. Ron Gidwitz is an American businessman, diplomat, and political candidate who served as U.S. Ambassador to Belgium while also serving as acting U.S. Ambassador to the European Union. He is the son of prominent Chicago businessman Gerald Gidwitz. Gidwitz served as president and CEO of Helene Curtis Industries, which was sold to Unilever in 96. In 98, Gidwitz co-founded the private equity firm GCG Partners, which he served as a partner at. Uh, a wonderful a diplomat who's given so much of his country to his country. He's been in Buffalo on a few occasions and wowed the business community in Buffalo with his sage advice on world affairs. Let's talk about this migrant crisis. Now they're coming in to where we're taping this show in Buffalo, New York. I probably estimate that 90% of the people are opposed to this situation. Well, we can't even afford to pay some of the highest property sales taxes and transfer taxes in the United States. Why don't these people who want these migrants take them into their homes and their communities? Why do they have to come into ours? Ambassador Gidwitz. Uh, Brian, let me first say uh, thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and your audience today. You too are a great patriot um, who works very hard to uh, improve the quality of life of people in Buffalo. That was quite clear to me when I had the privilege of visiting with you some time ago, as well as the work you do uh, across the eastern part of this country and the nation. So I, I thank you for your service as well. Uh, why don't people take these immigrants into their homes? Because it's awfully easy to say uh, this is what we ought to be doing, and but not in my backyard. And I think this is just one more example of uh, the do-gooders, of, uh, a, a very narrow majority of progressives, political progressives who say uh, we should have open borders, we should welcome anybody that wants to come here without qualification, uh, and that uh, we should feed them, we should care for them, we should house them, and we should take care of all their physical ailments, uh, the cost of which is, would and will be just astronomic. Uh, to give you an example, I mean, I'm originally from Chicago, uh, and there have been some 8,000 uh, illegal immigrants arriving in Chicago over the course of the last year. Uh, the original budget that the state was proposing to, for medical care 
uh, for these immigrants was $73 million. As of uh, last week, I saw an article that suggested that the budget now, just for the health care costs of the immigrants that have been bused to Chicago, is $1.2 billion. Just imagine what's going on in other parts of the country, New York City being one, Buffalo, obviously, an example. But our, our, our brethren on the southern part of the tier of states who have been really suffering with this illegal immigration that has been encouraged by the current administration, that has been encouraged by the left, the political left, that has been encouraged by the progressives, uh, we're all going to suffer as a result. And the, the kind of costs not to speak to uh, the, the illegals that, that are arriving who have criminal records, the the illegal importation of, of drugs across our southern border, the uh, problems that are arising from the coyotes, the people that are that are getting paid to bring some of these illegal aliens to the border and encouraging them to cross uh, the kinds of crimes that those people are committing is just it's breathtaking, breathtaking, Brian. Just horrible. Well, you you've got your finger on the pulse. You know what's going on now. Uh, Tip O'Neill always said all politics are local. Well, we're going to talk about local politics in the city where you lived and grew up, Chicago. Now, this gentleman was elected Chicago mayor, Brandon Johnson. You worked for the opponent. Uh, is he worse than Lori Lightfoot, this new mayor of Chicago? Tell us, you know. You're a Chicago native, Ambassador Gidwitz. Well, uh, I, I certainly, I don't know at this point whether he'll be worse than Lori Lightfoot because the com combination of Lori Lightfoot and uh, Kim Fox, the, uh, the state's attorney for Cook County, which is the, the, the county that uh, Chicago finds itself in, was tragic. Uh, this individual, Brandon Johnson, may be worse uh, only because he, he his career basically was spent as an organizer, at first a teacher for a couple of years, but mostly for an organizer and, and an activist for Chicago Teachers Union. Uh, and my fear is that the Teachers Union will now become the dominant political force in the city of Chicago and very likely the, the state of Illinois. Uh, and that does not bode well. It certainly didn't bode well for the children of Chicago during the pandemic when the teachers refused to go to, to, go to work, uh, claiming that it was unsafe and that they should teach virtually by, uh, at a distance. Well, unfortunately, uh, the two years that the teachers didn't teach in person, uh, the kids lost at least two years of progress in their education, ne probably never to be recovered. Uh, the uh, Brandon Johnson has been quoted as saying uh, on a regular basis before his election, he favored defunding the police. Terrible. Uh, his oh, oh, it's just dreadful. Terrible. Uh, the, the, the police department is is, is about almost two thousand personnel short uh, as we speak. And the probability is that not only is he not going to refill those ranks, but will 
allow attrition to continue. And as, as you know, Brian, the crime that has been, the, the street crime that's been taking place in Chicago is frightening. Uh, I, I have an apartment still in Chicago in a nice neighborhood. Uh, a year and a half ago, there was a carjacking right in front of our, our door. Two uh, criminals crashed the carjacked car against a lamppost, uh, which was picked up by our security cameras, jumped out of the car, grabbed their guns, ran away, were caught, uh, and were bailed out of jail the same day for $5,000 each. Now, explain that to me. And that was under the last administration. The next administration is only going to be worse, in my view. Well, let's talk about fear. Now, you, you joke to me that your wife will protect you. <laughs> which is very nice of Christina. But let's talk seriously about this situation because I understand that you live next door to the Archbishop of Chicago and there are violent scenes right at your doorstep. Now, aren't you and your wife scared to walk the streets without an armed guard? I mean, this is just ridiculous. Well, it's, it's very sad. It used to be that the, that the crime took place in the west side and the south side of Chicago where uh, you had concentrations of minorities. It's now metastasized across the city, uh, uh, and you have flash mobs appearing in, uh, at random almost any place in town. Uh, and the flash mobs are one thing, but they're accompanied by destruction, uh, d destroying properties, uh, cars, windows being broken, fires being started, and periodic shootings. Uh, there was on Lakeshore Drive two days ago uh, at 7 o'clock in the evening, a 17-year-old girl was shot about on, on the highway, which is, runs along the lake, which is about a block from where we live. She was shot at 7 o'clock in the evening in the back, in a car. Shot in the back, in the back. Shot in the back. Horrible. She's in the car, and the car's moving down the street, down the, down the highway. Not even This is not even a, a, a residential street. This is a highway, a limited-access highway. Now, uh, mercifully, she wasn't badly, damaged, badly injured, but the, the fact of the matter remains she was shot. It is unsafe to walk the streets of Chicago. You've cautioned me many times, uh, Brian. I'm very worried for your life and your wife's life. I'm very worried about well, you. Well, I am, too. I'm actually more worried about my 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 children, my my son, his wife, and his and my his two babies. So, but the fact of the matter is, I'm worried for everybody in Chicago because there's the police protection. Police are not supported in Chicago. Haven't been supported. Uh, have been uh, attacked physically. Car, police cars have been overturned and burned. Uh, the police have been prosecuted when they've tried to do their job. And I just have a feeling that this next administration given the fact that Brandon Johnson has said he's uh, much more concerned about the poor, disadvantaged youngsters who don't have an education and who gangbang. He's more concerned about them than uh, the average citizen and the police that are making a valiant attempt to protect all of us. Well, we're learning a great deal from the former United States ambassador to Belgium and the European Union, a great diplomat and statesman, Ronald J. Gidwitz, if you're listening in Chicago, 
Buffalo or Montreal to our 50,000 watts of clear channel power, blanketing 17 states and much of Canada. Please write to Brian Rusk, Bet1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand, and we'd like to hear from you. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our recent guest, Jim Lewicki, president of the Polish-American Congress, entrepreneur Mario Danielli, and author Lawrence Lemer. Coming up, we'll have Amanda Doyle of the Bracebridge Canada Chamber of Commerce. A little bit more information about Ronald Gidwitz. In terms of public sector and political activities, in addition to serving as U.S. Ambassador, Ronald Gidwitz held the positions of Chairman of the Illinois State Board of Education from 1999 to 2003 and Chairman of the Board of City Colleges of Chicago from 1991 to 99. He ran unsuccessfully for the Republican nomination for Governor of Illinois in 2006. He served as the Illinois State Chair of Rudy Giuliani's 2008 presidential campaign, the Illinois State Finance Chair for Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign, and chaired both Kirk Dillard's unsuccessful 2010 Illinois gubernatorial campaign and Bruce Rauner's successful 2014 gubernatorial campaign. Ambassador Gidwitz has also been involved with political advocacy organizations, a great statesman and diplomat, former United States Ambassador Ronald Gidwitz. Let's talk about the border. I don't think we have a southern border. I mean, we're talking about over 5 million migrants coming in. You've got cartels. You have fentanyl crisis, uh, human trafficking. Uh, do we have a southern border? I wish we did, but I don't. I don't think the folks that live down there believe that we do. Uh, you said it all just a second ago that uh, it, you have cartels bringing people in. You have cartels smuggling drugs, particularly fentanyl, which is extraordinarily dangerous. You have uh, people that are being enslaved by these cartels slash coyotes. Uh, to make sure that whoever comes, in many cases, those that come across the border uh, continue to send money back to the cartel to keep their relatives who are being incarcerated by the cartels with resources. It, it's, a, it's, just, it's a disgrace. This administration uh, immediately put a stop to President Trump's uh, program to build a wall to prevent this kind of... Uh, uh, free access it, it, and people talk about uh, open borders and the way it, it used to be one of the things that was quite clear to me when I was in Belgium as a U.S. ambassador I visited Antwerp which is one of the largest ports in in Europe and there's a museum there called the Red Star Museum which is um, honorific for the, the former Red Star line that was a transatlantic a shipping company they used to bring immigrants to this country during the late 1800s and early 1900s. And it was very clear in those days that several things had to had to happen. First of all, people had to have a physical health check. If you were sick, you didn't get on a boat. Number two, you had to have a sponsor. 
if you didn't have a sponsor, you didn't get on the boat. And 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 number three, you you had to have the wherewithal to pay, as opposed to just having people come across the border who are ill, which is what what's happening now, uh, infirm, uh, no skill set, and all they want to do is become wards of the state uh, once they get here, and it's happening all over the country. New York City is all of a sudden discovered. Uh, that uh, it's enormously expensive to house and care for these illegal immigrants. Chicago is now, quote, a sanctuary city, is, unquote, is discovering how much it costs to be a sanctuary city. It's, it's, and I think ultimately the, the citizens of this country are going to rise up and say enough is enough to our government. How can you permit this? Just an empty... Uh, an open border that uh, anybody can cross if they so choose. It's a, ter- a terrible, terrible uh, situation. Uh, and, uh, Ambassador, isn't it cruel to be moving these people to five different locations uh, with no permanent housing, no food, no medical care? Is, isn't this a terrible, terrible, cruel crisis? Well, I think the crisis is uh, allowing these people to come across the border without any, without any organization, without any, without the rule of law. Uh, we there are legal ways for people to come to this country, and we allow more than a million people a year to come here legally. Uh, but we've seen millions of people in the last couple of years cross the border illegally, uh, and uh, our southern States don't have the wherewithal to maintain it. El Paso has been overrun for several years as a result of this administration's treatment of uh, of our border. Uh, and so now the erstwhile sanctuary cities, San Francisco, Chicago, New York, and others are discovering what our southern states and cities have discovered, and that is that uh, it doesn't work that way or shouldn't work that way. We're learning a great deal from a tremendous diplomat and statesman, Ronald J. Gidwitz, former U.S. ambassador to Belgium and the European Union. Little plug here, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal Newspaper has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegman stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. A little bit more information about Ambassador Gidwitz. In addition to his private sector and political work, Ambassador Gidwitz had been involved in philanthropic and nonprofit activities. He earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in economics from Brown University. He served as president and CEO of Helene Curtis Industries, which was sold to Unilever in 96. He served as its CEO from 79 to 98. In 98, he has been count. Since 98, he has been co-founder and partner at the private equity firm 
GCG Partners and serves as a regional chairman for business executives for national security in Chicago. A great statesman and diplomat, Ambassador Ronald Gidwitz. Let's talk about finishing the wall. We're talking about five to six million illegal migrants have come to the United States through the southern so-called border in the last two years. Shouldn't we just finish the wall to stop this illegal migration? I would. I mean, if, that, if, if, if I could make it happen, I most certainly would. And I'm sure that citizens of our southern states, particularly those that are on the Mexican border, would be in wholehearted agreement. You just can't have uh, people walking across the border, uh, uh, camping in your backyard, ending up in food lines and sleeping on streets. And that's precisely what happened. I, I was back in Chicago uh, last week, and I happened to uh, drive past at about 8 o'clock at night a building that had recently been determined to be housed, to be used by the city to house immigrants and these people have nothing to do they were standing on street corners they were uh wandering around uh they have no money yes they get food and now they get lodging at least those that are fortunate enough to be put up in this building i mean but in chicago there are uh, accounts of uh, a large number of illegal immigrants sleeping on police department floors in various precincts around Chicago. I mean, this is no way to run a, run a city. This is no way to run uh, our country, for that matter. And this administration has totally disregarded uh, the welfare of these illegal immigrants as well as the welfare of our citizens. Let's switch to another part of the world, which is really another crisis. Uh, probably a few hundred thousand people are dead, trillions of dollars in destruction. I'm referring to the Ukraine. Wouldn't it make sense to have a settlement where perhaps the far eastern part of the Ukraine that is sympathetic to Russia, to give that to them and have the Ukrainians take back Crimea because they need that port to ship their grain and call it a day and stop the thousands and thousands of people being murdered and hundreds of millions of dollars in destruction. Wouldn't that make sense, Ambassador Gidwitz? Well, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I don't, I don't countenance one country deciding that just because they want to take somebody else's property that you can invade, which is what the Russians did back in February uh, of last year, and uh, decide that the eastern portion of the Ukraine should be theirs. They were going to take uh, several provinces, keep the Crimea, which they took in 2014. Uh, I think they were rudely surprised by uh, the populations of those provinces, those, those, those communities, that, uh, yes, they were Russian-speaking. Yes, they had, they had a, uh, an affinity for Russia. But when the Russians decided to take over their communities, take over their provinces, I, I think uh, you, you saw a very steady and quick movement uh, to, uh, to NATO and to the West. 
uh, and there's been a real attitude change. It's one thing to have a friendly relation with a nearby country, much in the same fashion that we have with, for example, Canada. But I think if the Canadians were to invade us, or vice versa, if we were to invade the Canadians, I think people uh, on, on both sides of the border would be quite upset with uh, their neighbors. And so what you're seeing, in my view, is uh, a, a real transformation of the, uh, of the public attitude in the Ukraine, particularly along the eastern borders, those borders that, that uh, the, the Russians have, have grabbed. Uh, and and uh, there's a real animosity there today. Let's switch to another part of the world. Uh, because of the Afghanistan uh, crisis, where 13 Americans were killed uh, with the disastrous withdrawal, are we now seeing China flexing its muscles, thinking, well, if uh, that can be handled without U.S. fighting and uh, just acquiescing and sitting in the background, while a country is being destroyed, well, we'll take over Taiwan. Uh, does this give China sort of comfort in knowing that the U.S. will screw it up? Well, I, I hope not. I mean, certainly the Chinese have a long-term plan that, that uh, Prime Minister, uh, Premier Xi uh, has in mind. Uh, he does, for commercial purposes, want to take back Taiwan, probably less because he wants Taiwan and more because he wants the the skill set that the Taiwanese have in, in chip development and, and manufacturing, which nobody else in the world has. Uh, but uh, I think you're seeing a recognition on the part of uh, many of the countries in that area um, making... Uh, understanding what his intentions are, and, and, and as as do we, the United States, and working together to uh, put in place plans so that he doesn't get his way. Uh, you saw, I think, just last week, a rapprochement between the the Japanese and the the, the South Koreans. Uh, that actually is a big deal, having having had a, a, a real animosity there since before the Second World War, uh, the Japanese and the South Koreans are, are now beginning to work together in the defense, not just of their two countries, but in the whole neighborhood. So I, th I think you're, the, the, the Chinese have probably overplayed their hand. Uh, and if we are diligent and our allies are diligent, uh, we should be in a position to protect and convince the, the Chinese that we will protect Taiwan uh, we collectively, not just the United States, but the United States and its allies, protect the Taiwanese against any kind of an invasion. Sorry we have to bring the Rusk Report to a close. We've learned so much from a gifted diplomat and statesman, the former the United States Ambassador to the European Union and Belgium, Ronald J. Gidwitz, who originally hailed from Chicago, Illinois. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, Director of Production for the past 15 years. And thank you, Ambassador Gidwitz, for the service that you have given to our nation in the last three decades. Have a great week. You've been listening to The Rusk Report, a program that takes an inside look at the Western New York community with 
news, features, and special guests. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write to Brian Rusk, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Amherst, New York, 14226.